Welcome to Love Unlocks Live Sessions. This is very, very live. And as you can see, those of you who are joining us for the, you know, second, third, fourth time, we, uh, we started late. And that's because we had some technical difficulties. But thank the Lord, we are back online. Uh, we can hear and see our guest who I'll announce just now. Uh, so I'm grateful. Hello to everybody who has joined us. I can see Adele and Cindy are here. And uh, everyone else is joining us as well. This is Love Unlocks unlocks live sessions the whole point of this is is to chat to some amazing people that i have the privilege of knowing that have had an impact on my life and whose stories are just amazing of how god's love has unlocked their lives so i want to bring those stories to you and i want it to encourage you give you hope and uh, and just be a source of inspiration so uh, that's what this is all about we it's brought to you by love key which is our ministry and our heart is to see healthy families build a healthy nation and we believe that's only possible when a, when a family is built upon jesus so we just want to minister jesus to families and unity to the body of christ and see people encounter god align with these purposes so they can reign in life and you can go check out what we do and how it works and all that stuff on our webpage, lovekeymission.com, and uh, you can find out more there. But without any further ado, I've got the great privilege of uh, inviting a guest here. Here in South Africa, it is you know almost 20 past one, but in Zion, Illinois, it is <laughs> 20 past 6 a.m. in the morning, and, uh, and that is where our friend for today is Skyping in from. He's an evangelist, a missionary, a social justice champion, I want to call him. And he has a heart to see communities thrive. He's married to the beautiful Melody and they've got five kids, five kids, guys, five awesome kids. I've met them. I've danced at a wedding with them. They are great, great kids. Uh, please welcome Scott Lee, here we go, live from Zion, Illinois. <laughs> hey, Heinz, it's good to be on with you today. Thanks for having me. Of course, bro. Bro, it's so good to have you here. Thanks for being with us. I want to pop up some pictures here. This, this is what Scott does. He's, uh, he's got a ministry called Encountering Life International. And this is pictures <coughs> from them doing what they do in Guatemala, South America. Amazing, amazing Photos of just, you know, being out there, masses of people, <coughs> building community, touching lives. It's so incredible. And uh, thank you so much for, for joining me today and being part of this. Scott and I met in a very small church in the Northern Cape when he was traveling to South Africa. And those yeah. of you who have been watching, I, I had another friend on this, uh, this channel a week ago, Picartin, he's a young evangelist, and I, th I think you guys really enjoyed him. We got some great feedback when I chatted to him. And Picart knows Scott and introduced us, and we ministered at the same church. Now, Scott, just quickly tell us, how, how did you and Picart meet, and, and how, how did you find that day in the middle of seemingly nowhere here in the Northern Cape? <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, I don't remember the exact year, but it was it was a couple years ago when I was speaking at uh, uh, a school that was in uh, Orlando, Florida. And um, I remember the Lord was moving mightily in that that particular uh, session. And I saw this young man who was sitting up to the right. And, you know, everyone else, they might have been entering in with their hands raised up and just and just praying and, and just uh, just worshiping the Lord. 
But uh, this young man, he had had his hands like this and his big blue eyes and he was just tearing up and, and you could just see that he was in awe and wanting more of the wow. Lord. And uh, so it was right after that that um, I was doing a luncheon or a part of a luncheon and and he came up to me and he said, he says, I don't know what there is. He goes, but I need to wash your feet. And I told him, I said, you need to go talk to the leaders about that of the of the school. And so, but that was the last <laughs> time I ever saw him. Next thing I know, he invited me to South Africa to 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 speak and to travel around. And, and um, there was a conference he was doing in Uppington. And um, and from there, that's we went over to this church. I think it was one of the last days we were in Uppington. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's where I met you. And I heard you sing that that song that's rocked me ever since. It's time. <laughs> oh wow! Thank you, bro. Appreciate that yes, so sir. much. I remember that day when when we met, and just the mm -hmm. way you ministered. I think what stood out for me was the 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 love you have for people, mm -hmm. and the love you have for Jesus, and the passion with which you preached. That just really stood out for me, and and I'm so glad that we were able to connect uh, at that time, and and again. Um, when, when we saw each other at, at Picard's wedding end of last year. Um, yeah. And I just feel like, you know, you're one of those people that I've known for a long time. And uh, yeah. oh, we had a great lunch at Vergelegen uh, one day, which was also incredible. And yes. uh, your wife and kids are just amazing. Quickly tell Thank us you. a little bit about, you know, um, your kids. Well, let's start with your wife. That's the most important thing, right? So um, after Jesus. So <laughs> you and Melody, how long have you guys been married? And, and then I want to know how yeah. long between you meeting her and you popping the question. I always, I'm always interested about that. Yeah. yeah, well, we've been married for 19 years. And wow. um Yep, it's been 19 great years. Um, we uh, uh, we met in Bible school down at, uh, there was a school that was going on in Pensacola, Florida called the Brownsville Revival. Uh, she had graduated a year before I, before I, but I remember, now this is, this you, you could appreciate this being a worship artist, um, uh, Heinz, was I remember she was singing in one of our chapel services. Wow. And... And I was, you know, it was one of those moments where, you know, uh, she was up there worshiping. And I was like, I had my hands in the air and I'm, I'm looking at her and I'm going, okay, I'm singing to the Lord, but why am I staring at this beautiful woman? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually turned around and I faced the back wall. And, uh, and that was my first impression, you know, of seeing Melody. And then I, I met her also at a, a, a birthday party and she she did what every good Southerner does. She brought me some sweet tea and there some popcorn. Go. Sweet tea. And we sat down. Yeah, we Gotta sat down and we tea. had a good conversation. And it was about a year and a half after that of just of just being good friends. And I mean, we we went miniature golfing together. We go karting. We uh, just hung out together in groups because uh, back then you. At the Bible school, you couldn't you couldn't you know go to each other's houses or anything, which was a good thing. But we just we just cultivated this this friendship, and that's been the basis of of our marriage ever since. Was just our friendship. So that's amazing. Yeah, and and I can I mean I can attest to that. You guys just look like you know you know each other so well. There's this chemistry even after 19 years. There's so much you know in loveness with the love, which I really think is so cool. 
And then you have to tell us about your kids. They are amazing and so talented. Um, quickly go through the names and just what stands out for you about each one of them. They're so cool. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, well, Judah is my oldest. He's 15. He's going to be 16 in July. Okay. Uh, he, is, he is by far the most integrous uh, champion, uh, kind-hearted young man that I've ever met in my life, hardworking. Uh, he has a brilliant mind about him. My, my second oldest is Briar. Uh, same thing. She's just as sharp as a tack. Um, there's, there's not a, there's nothing she can't put her mind to and, uh, uh, and accomplish. Um, she's also the, um, the main, the main owner of the Nilla Villa, which is my three daughters, uh, Briar, Michaela, and Cyrus, uh, which are 13, uh, 12 and, and nine, yeah. they own their, they own their own company, that uh, vanilla so cool. extract and, and, and importing, exporting. So it's pretty, pretty exciting. Oh, um, and that. then I have my, my youngest Banning, who is just a, um, a basketball, uh, uh, protege. I mean, he's just phenomenal. He's, yeah. He's a prodigy. Yeah. yeah. That kind of shots he makes are incredible. It's, it's, it is. It's amazing. And so we're, we're really excited to see what goes on with that. But all of them are creative. All of them love Jesus. All of them, uh, they just love each other. They, they, they give the shirt off each other's back for, for one another. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm really proud to be their father. And I know Mel is their mom. Yeah. That's so cool. I love it. I love it. And you guys are such a great family. I, I quickly, I forgot to load some family pics, but I quickly got this on my phone um, just to show people that's, that's, that's the family. It's not all of the kids. <laughs> that's not all of the kids. It's some of the kids. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so. an amazing family. It's so great to have you here. All right. We're yeah, going to do some icebreaker, fun questions, get to know you. Hey, Picard's online. Yeah, we Hello. Hey, let me pop this on there. We can say... Picard says hi. Love you guys. Love you too, Picard. Love you. Welcome, bro. Uh, it, we've got someone from Amanzam Toti. Try to say that five times fast. Johannes Pretorius. Uh, we've got someone uh, speaking French to us. Bonjour. She was uh, here yesterday as well when I spoke to Frank Rautenbach. Welcome, welcome. All right. Um, so now, now it has to get. We, we're going to have some fun, and then we're going to get into some of the deeper stuff. But uh, I, want, I want people to get to know you, and um, just so I think this is mm -hmm. a cool way to do that. Uh, we already did it with the kids and the wife. Um, you have done a lot of mission work down in Guatemala, like I've said. Mm -hmm. And so I have to ask you, what is your, what is the, your favorite Guatemalan food? And uh, have you brought it back to Zion? <laughs> wow, what's my favorite Guatemalan food? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the thing, I mean, you, you can't go throughout Central America and Latin America without having tortillas. 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 Yeah. tortillas. <laughs> you got to say it right, tortillas. There you go. And yeah, and so, I mean, when you when you add some tortillas with a carne asada, which is uh, just meat cooked over an open charcoal fire, um, well, you guys understand that, the bride, bride right? The bride, yeah. do that properly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so they then, but they have this, this, this homemade salsa, it's called like a chimney, it's called chimichurri and it goes over the top of meat. It is so amazing. Wow. And so, yeah, I, I, I think, I think the, the food there, um, uh, 
my favorite is is obviously meat. Um, uh, but when you start adding the salsas like chimichurri and, and fresh tortillas hecho de mano, tortillas made by hand, uh-huh. you know, and some, some frijoles también de olla, when you make the, the, the beans, you know, from scratch and they're cooking on the stove in these little oh, clay pots, that's amazing. what I'm talking about. Yeah. See, yeah. My, my problem is whenever I go to places like that is I have, I have a really weak palate <laughs> and I, I want to do the, you know, the hot spicy stuff, but I just, yo, I suffer so badly, yeah. but you're going to have to make me, you know, one day I, I'd love to join you on a trip there and we and you can, you can introduce me to some of the great food there. Um, oh, when, when you went down there for the first time, what, mm-hmm. what was the kind of, what was the biggest culture shock to you initially? And, and did, did it maybe become one of the things you miss most about it now? Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, this, it's an interesting story, even how I got there the first time, Heinz. Um, I was, uh, I'll just recap it real quick for you. I was uh, in the mountains of Mexico and the Lord spoke to me to go to Guatemala. Wow. And, and so um, I came back to my house. I told my wife, I said, hey, Mel, the Lord just spoke to me to go to Guatemala. And she says, well, what does that look like? Well, for two days, we prayed about it, and uh, um, the Lord dropped in my heart the name of a woman that I knew years previously, uh, Brenda Benegas. And and so I didn't have her phone number, so we got online, and we found her through White Pages, um, the phone book online. Left a message with her. She called me back a couple days later, and she said, I know why God is sending you to my home country. I didn't wow. even know she was Guatemala. Wow. And um, so we get to Guatemala. Two weeks later, we get to Guatemala. And the governor at the time of Alta Verapaz, a good friend of mine, Jose Adrián López, he, uh, um, he's picking us up at the airport. And I get in the car with him. And he says, he says, he says uh, uh, welcome to Guatemala. And all of a sudden, in my heart, there was a there, like an impending, like a moment like, I felt like there was going to be an earthquake. Wow! And um, and so here I am. I'm in a I'm in a button up shirt. I'm in cargo shorts, flip flops, and a backpack. You know, looking <laughs> like a a young American missionary. Yeah. And uh, and I look at the governor and I said, "Do you get earthquakes here?" And he says, "We do from time to time." And um, and then I said, "Do you know where I'm staying?" Because I'm from the Midwest. We don't have earthquakes. We don't have tornadoes and crazy. We don't even have poisonous snakes. I mean, there's like nothing, nothing here, <laughs> just flat land and corn. Yeah. And, uh, and he go, he looks at me and he says, why are you asking these questions? And I said, I, I feel that there's going to be an earthquake tonight. Well, that drive from the airport to his house was between four and six hours long and he didn't speak to me the rest of the trip. <laughs> he, <laughs> he thought, who is this crazy white guy? So, we get to his house that night, and uh, they he, I, I slept at the governor's house. They put me in the room, and that night, sure enough, um, the house started to shake. Uh, there was an 8.3 earthquake. I still have the newspaper to prove wow. it. And the wall from the ceiling down to my bed split in half. And still to this day, they say, that is Scott's room. And uh, <laughs> No one else yeah. gets in there. So, right. And so the next morning I get up, they put the, the newspaper in front of me, and I start speaking to congressmen and senators and wow. all kinds of amazing things. And uh, so that's how God opened up Guatemala to us. And since then, it has been an adventure like none other. Every time is different. 
Yeah. And uh, so I'm, there's not one experience that I can think of that I say, man, I wish I could go back to because every time I go there, it is something fresh and new. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and just while we're on the topic, what, what is when you started working there and, and spreading the gospel and doing what you guys do, what, what, was, what did you feel that God tell you about that nation and what was yeah. your role to play there? Yeah. So when when we first started going I, as a missionary and I, I grew up in the church my whole life, you know, I've got a, I've got a story where I walked away from the Lord for many years, but I came back. Um, I was always taught it's the most important thing is to train up nationals. I believe that's that's what we do. You know, we, we train them up and we send them out and um, and basically working yourself out of a job. And um, wow. and so when I went into that country, sorry, I just, knew when you, that. When you, sorry, yeah. when you say train up nationals, you mean train local people to do what, to do missionary work. Okay, that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Yep. yep. And so basically, I knew that I wasn't there to pastor the culture. I wasn't there to come in and, and change the culture. I was there to bring kingdom culture. Yeah. And and that's one thing that I that I understood and still growing in, but I understood it. And uh, so we did what we knew how to do. We we wanted to plow the ground first, and so we began preaching, uh, doing doing gospel uh, meetings, uh, Jesus the Healer meetings. Um, we churches started opening up to us. We started training their churches. Uh, we we started getting involved in Bible schools. Um, we went into all of the, literally all of the schools in Alta Verapaz, which is a big state there, um, with the abstinence program, teaching people to abstain from sex and, uh, until marriage and the importance of that. Um, and that, and then that led into us sharing testimonies after those and then preaching the gospel. So we saw, we would see 800 to a thousand students a day coming to Christ. Um, <laughs> phenomenal things, phenomenal That's things. Amazing. Yeah, and it's still happening like that too, as more wow. states are opening up to us. But, but that's how we began in that country, and that's how things have grown. Um, I've had to morph as time has gone on because, um, basically, when you when you've been preaching the gospel as long as you have, as long as I have, I love preaching the gospel. But then when the Holy Spirit puts deep in your heart, you've got to disciple the whole man. You've got to change some things in your mind. Yeah. And that's where we switched. So good. We started switching into sociological and economical reform also, not just the spiritual side, but the spiritual leading into the others. And so that was us pushing the plow first in the spirit and then discipling the whole man after that. I love that. That is so powerful. And I think that what I, what I really I find encouraging about that is the fact that I think we've seen a lot of the fruit of only evangelism uh, without that that sustainability or creating sustainability for this, the the whole man, the whole person, and the whole community. Yeah. And I think, yo, oh, that is so powerful. And um, you've kind of you know skipped to some of my other questions in answering that so well. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's cool. I love it. That's. That's great, and uh, it's also a cool way for people to hear hear your story. Um, so, let me just—I I have to rethink some of these questions now quickly. Uh, all right, because <laughs> I—I was still busy with the fun stuff, and we just got serious. We got down into the meat of it. That's great, though. That's great. So, while, while we're talking about outreaches um, and and missionary work, I—I I, I have to ask you. 
I mean, I know people get saved. To God be the glory. It's awesome. It's it's great. But I've been, you know, I've witnessed some interesting things, and I'm sure you have. What is are, is there any funny story you can tell us about an outreach down there in Guatemala? Something you know that that sort of happened that surprised everybody, or just put a smile on your face, whatever it might be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's. We have we have great stories all the time. I mean, when you do when you do gospel crusades in the middle of the mountains and there's no bathrooms, that's always a funny story. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine out of the mountains. So we can bring that table talk into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, I've I've slipped and fell in the mud. Um, wow. We've uh, yeah, I've I've. There was there was a time when um, you know I grew up I grew up where you just you're gonna preach no matter what you know if even if you're sicker than a dog you're gonna get up there and you're gonna preach wow. and uh, and there's been times when I've been on the stage and I could not even hold it together I've looked at my interpreter and I've said uh, listen you if I step off the stage you got to keep going and I've stepped off the stage up to five times in one meeting and then come right back into to, to, to preaching, yeah, and so from, from there's been being some, ill or like you you caught a bug there or what? Yeah, like sure. like uh, like throwing up off the backside of the stage. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, and so there's there's those moments, and uh, uh, we've had we've had some great moments. I mean, I'll tell you a funny story real quick, Heinz. Right. I'm a, yeah, almost please. embarrassed to say it, but you know, let's put it out there for all those young preachers that are watching this. <laughs> Well, my next so, question, my next question is, yeah. what is your most embarrassing moment? So let's like this all in one. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So one time I was I was preaching and um, and I you know this this is a bathroom story for all the, those out there and it, it, for every every preacher that's out there you know that you have a bathroom story <laughs> um, and. and and so so this I is was, just a warning for sensitive viewers and listeners. That's right. Just be prepared. That's right. <laughs> and so I was up on the stage and I was I was I was preaching and I had one of those oh my goodness moments. <laughs> and 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 I had to go. And so I I called quickly. I said I said everybody stand to your feet real quick and let's just lift your hands to heaven and we're going to worship God. <laughs> you know, I went into that that voice. That voice. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, oh, let's praise that's him. Great. And everybody starts praising and uh, and I, I quickly call for my wife and the worship team and they got up there and I said just play just play just play and and I grabbed the mic and I just everybody was pressing in and I ran to the back I made sure the microphone was off and I went into the okay, bathroom. I was gonna ask that's important. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and next thing you know I you know then I came back and I just jumped right into it you know but i uh, i look back at some of those times those were some funny funny times you yeah. know but that was one of my most embarrassing moments because there was a couple people in the crowd that just you know they don't close their eyes they're just looking around they you know, know they know and they, they know what's going on <laughs> yeah oh that's amazing <laughs> i um i i think one of mine that stands out is is when i was doing a show once and um i didn't realize my fly was open oh and uh <laughs> The the lady that was traveling with me, helping me with booking, she was she was waving her arms during the whole event, and I didn't I thought she was just having a great time. <laughs> she, was, she was trying to show me what was going on, and uh, so when I finally when I finally grabbed the moment to, to to zip up, I forgot that I had a mic in my hand, 
and that zip sound went through the whole <laughs> freaking venue. It was uh, that was a it was oh, a low it was, it was a low moment, but we we have those. It keeps us humble. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. That's amazing. Oh my word. So. Just two more kind of getting to know you questions, uh, just because it's fun. Um, do you yeah. do any sports and do you or just play basketball with your boy? Do you do anything else that's fun that you relax with? You know, I like to golf. I do like to golf. Um, it is the holy man sport, so, you know. Yeah, there you go. And, <laughs> and I'm trying to teach my kids a little bit. Good, um, good. Uh, as, as, as good as I can. Um, they have... They have an uncle Matt who's who's a phenomenal golfer, a scratch golfer, and wow. uh, so we we like to co get coaching from him from time to time and advice. But I do I coach basketball. Um, uh, I was a bas I played basketball. I wasn't an outstanding basketball player, but I understood the game, and so I do coach basketball and cool. I spend time uh, coaching my kids and and so cool. uh, spend a lot of time with Banning right now because he's got the drive. So yeah. That's so cool. And I, I mean, he, I, you can just see he's, he's on it, man. He's got it. <laughs> That's awesome. And then uh, I need to know, because this is a man's question, you know, like, what is your ultimate dream car? What do you want to, what do you want to drive? If you could choose anything, what will you drive? Oh, man, I like big trucks. I like big trucks. Um, but in, ultimate dream car, I've had, I've had some nice cars. Uh, all given to me to be, believe it or not, but, uh, Whoa, cool. uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, but my, my ultimate, I, I just like a beautiful brand new suburban. Okay. I just, I think Chevy suburbans are, are the top of the, the cream of the crop. Yeah, I, I just, I not I, they fit. That. That's so cool. Yeah. But, but yeah. the whole truck thing is very American of you. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And if you know, with with this, with the life you've lived, the stories you've seen, the things you've gone through at this stage, if 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 I were to ask you, what is your what is your life dream, your ultimate life dream that you still want to achieve? What what would that be? You're gonna get me. You're gonna get me weepy on this one, bro. Yeah. Um, because I I moved back here for it, um, and that's to see my city. my hometown transformed. Wow. Sure. Yeah. And so I'm back here because I know that uh, Zion has a historic past. Yeah. But a dynamic future. And um, and so I've I've been around the world. I've seen I've seen so much. Um, I I feel like I'm living the dream to be honest with you. Uh, my kids are successful even at an early age. Uh, successful and we've we've seen success in, in every area of our lives but the best thing will be when I can see my city Zion Illinois uh, not return back to its former glory but to step up into what God has spoken for today that's and so uh, that's so and that's and that's that will be my dream and the Lord spoke to me a long time ago that unless a grain of wheat the less a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, and he said, "Zion will be your grain of wheat," mm -hmm. and uh, and so we are we are still doing what we're doing around the world internationally. But my heart yearns for my city. Wow. Yeah, that's so powerful, and and I think that what touched my heart on that is that you specifically said not to return back to something, but to to step into the fullness. And I think that's 
often often we would hear people say, you know, a city or a person or a, a country needs to turn back to God. But I always think, you know, that implies that they were with God fully at some point, which right. uh, which is not the case, you know. No, and, it's uh, not. Yeah. So, so, you know, turning back sounds, is, is, is the wrong term. I like your term. Let's step into that, you know, preordained identity, the fullness of what God has for us. And that's, I mean, that's our heart for this nation as well. <laughs> you know, I, South Africa is such a unique and an amazing calling on its, on its purpose, you know. Uh, no, I can't yeah. say that. Calling on its existence. And, um, and, and a lot of people in this nation that love Jesus and love this nation, you know, can sit around the table and, and get excited about it. But there's so many things that stand in the way, and I'm sure that's what you have also seen in your city. You know, there's, uh, and then we get into, you know, Ephesians six and two Corinthians ten. It's 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 not the physical; it's the it's the spiritual thing that's going on that needs that's to right. be addressed. And, but I love that. Um, we can get into that just now again because I'd love to hear. Uh, you you said so beautifully that what you saw God do, do, do uh, what you saw God do in Guatemala, you are now doing in your hometown. I would love to hear more about that. But before we get there, um, I would love for people to hear your your come to Jesus moment, your giving yeah. your life to Christ. I know you grew up in the church and yeah. but I know from my own experience, you know, there's there's the initial choice and then there's the stuff along the way where you Yeah. Cause it yeah. So I'd love to hear that story, please. Yeah. Well it's an interesting story because um, growing up in the church, I had my great. Now, here's here's something that's that's interesting. Um, on my dad's side, I've never seen divorce. We've never known divorce. We've never had a split. I've never seen a church split. As far back as far back as as I mean, we just never have any of those things. But then you get wow. to my mom's side. And my mom's side is from the, the I mean, the, they're from the backwoods of Mississippi, okay? And, uh, I mean, they were, they were rough. My mom was, she was the only saved person out of that entire side of the family. Wow. Her father, her father was, her name, his name was Billy. I won't mention the last name, but his name was Billy. Uh, he was a, a local known uh, gambler, a hustler. He was a hardworking man, but he was a gambler and a hustler, and he was also connected to the uh, the Irish mafia, and um, and so um, I grew up in 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 between two worlds. Yeah. Um, uh, I had the angels on this side, and then I had literally <laughs> the the demonic on this side, wow. and I was I was being uh, uh, in the middle of this this you've got to choose, you know, which side do you want? And so I went through a rebellious stage in my life, uh, in my teenage years that led up into, uh, right around 21 when I really had a, an encounter with God. But, um, I lived with my grandfather. My grandfather was, uh, this, this, this Irish mobster. And, uh, uh, he said, Scotty, you can live with me, but the only thing is, is that on Friday nights, you can't go anywhere. You have to sit in the living room, and then whoever comes to the back door, I couldn't see where the back door was uh, because it was behind a wall on the side of the house. He says, you, you're not to answer the door. You're to hit the intercom button behind the couch, 
and I'll send somebody up. And so I didn't never know who was there, but later on found out, you know, it was, it was <clears throat> some, some guys, I'll just say Boston, Joey, Boston, shorty, that these kind of names and, uh, in the <laughs> Chicago land area, you yeah. can imagine. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so it was August 5th. 1996, I was in the Lake County Jail um, wow. in, in Zion, in Waukegan, Illinois. Uh, I was in because I had um, I had been caught with a controlled substance. It was cocaine, and I was I had violated my probation. I was already looking at a year mandatory sentence uh, in the state penitentiary, sure. um, and and this this sentence was going to be hammered down to me for 13 years. Uh, in the state penitentiary. <clears throat> yep. And so I stood before the judge. His name was Judge Gashkarian at the time. Since then, he hasn't he hasn't been a judge. Uh, but he looked at me, he says, Mr. Lee, you've been in my courtroom four times this year. He says, what what's your problem? And and I just looked at him. I was at that moment in my life. And I, I said, I, I really don't care, Judge. I, I don't I don't know. I said, but do what you've got to do. And he looks at me and he says, I don't believe you're supposed to be in here. And wow. and I knew the state's attorney at that time, <coughs> Steve Simonian, he he looks over at the judge and he says, he goes, Judge, this this young man is trouble. You've got to do something about this young man. And so anyways, the judge, he puts his hammer down and he says uh, three months uh, instead of the 13 years. Sure. Yeah. And so I went into... I went into jail uh, for three months there in in Lake County, and uh, there was it was th- this is this is how interesting it was because uh, when I walked in there was an officer there just because we're local here I won't mention any names but there was an officer there who says uh, Mr Lee are you Billy's grandson I said yes I am <laughs> uh, and he says he goes step aside and so everybody else went to their cells and they double bunked. And I got my own cell and I got two mattresses, two pillows, and um, and there was all kinds of benefits that came with being that. Sure. But there was one there was one guy in there. His name was Joey. And Joey, if you're listening to this today, if you're out there, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Um, yes. Joey had an encounter with God. And Joey would come by my cell and, uh, uh, and he'd say, Scott, Jesus loves you. And I, he would do this constantly. It was like one of those annoying birds, you know, and uh, and he would come by and say, Jesus loves you, Scott. And finally, I looked at him. I said, Joey, if you say this again, we're going to have problems. I said, there's nothing you can tell me about Jesus that I don't already know. I grew up in the church. Da, 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 and he was like, Jesus loves you. And he took off running. <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah. So make a long story short, August 5th, 1996, the day before my birthday, I was sitting in my cell. And my mom had come to uh, uh, the visitor's time that, that Sunday before, and she brought me a Bible. Well, in that Bible in the front, she, my dad and her had written in it when I was 13 years old. And they said, Scott, we are praying for you daily. We pray that you will grow up to be a fine young Christian man. The, the devil will not win this war. We have handed you over to God. Now, this is when I was 13. Fast forward to when I'm 21 at this time. Sure. Years, years of craziness in between, uh, sleeping on the streets, waking up in cornfields, being homeless, taking showers from hoses behind people's houses when they would leave for work, wow. uh, being being on drug binges to where I would lose all uh, a function in my body, you, defecating on myself, 
uh, losing my mind, waking up with cold sweats, thinking the rocks on the ground were cockroaches crawling at me because I was in this fit. And, and all along, God was reaching out to me. And so that night, I remember that August 5th night, and I just said, Lord, I don't even know how to do this. But I don't want to know you like my mom and dad. I don't want to know you like anybody else. If you're real, reveal yourself to me. Mm. And when that happened, I kid you not, Heinz, it was like, it was for those out there who have seen the matrix, you know, you, you know, where, 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 uh, uh, what's whatever his name is, Keanu, he, he, he goes into that yeah. slow mode yeah, and, and yeah. the raindrop stop. That's what happened in my cell where everything just like went and I began to weep and wail. I could hear in the distance inmates saying, shut up, Lee, you big baby, stuff like that. And it was just going on and going on. And I, I could not stop. Well, that night I committed my heart to the Lord and I said, God, if if this is what you've asked me to do, ah, make a way for it. Because I can't, I can't contain what's on the inside, and I don't want to be one of these guys that just sits with a touch from you and not give it out. Yeah. And so the next day, I stood up in the commons area on a chair, and I stood up and I began to preach the gospel, and I saw thirteen what? American inmates come to Christ that day, wow. and I never, never stopped preaching the gospel. Yeah, Yo, I love that. That is so <laughs> powerful. There's no reason to wait. <laughs> No, and that's that's. I love your name of your ministry as well. It's it's a it's a word that that we use at Love Key as well because it all starts with that encounter, that encounter yeah. with Jesus that changes you for real. And yeah, because I mean you've you said yourself you've heard the sermons, you've been in the you've you've heard the Bible, but you you hadn't actually given your life to Christ. You know, and right. if someone asked you at some point, are you a Christian? You may have even said, yeah, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. But, yeah. but we both know now, looking back. And, and that's why I love these stories of how, how did God's love unlock your life? Because you were one way and His yeah. love and your story collided and then you were another way. That is just, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. God is so yeah. good and sure, what a powerful story. I mean... It's the difference between you being a career criminal and changing people's lives around the world that you're doing now. That is, sure, that is Jesus. Man, I love that. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's man. the goodness of God. <laughs> We've got people saying, praise Jesus. This is my mother-in-law. Praise the Lord. Praise Him. She loves this stuff. Anthea McCormick says, the fire, of <laughs> the fire is burning. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Thank you guys for being here and listening. Um, bro, I just, I love this story. It's so powerful and uh, just blesses me so much. Um, with, with, your, with your ministry in Guatemala and now in Zion and with what you're doing around the world, uh, you know, I've, I've heard your heart for your hometown, which is so beautiful, is what is the heart of um, your ministry encountering life international? What is the mission of it? And or does it just tie into what yeah. you already said? Is that the same thing? Or I'm, I'm sure it overlaps yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, the mission of, of what, first and foremost, that the foundations is to go in all the world and preach the gospel. 
Uh, that's the commission Christ gave us. You know that. Um, yeah. uh, the second thing is to be bridge builders, is to connect with other people in other places around the world to to partner for revival, to see God move in regions. Um, but then the third thing is <clears throat> we partner for the Holy Spirit's work. And we don't believe that the, the, the Holy Spirit's work is just just only, like I said previously, to preach the gospel. Yeah. I believe that that is, that is the invitation. That's the ultimate invitation is to invite people into the relationship between the Son and the Father that we get to enjoy and be a part of it as sons as well once we come into that. Yeah. And so, but we learn through the relationship of Jesus to the Father. So that's the invitation, and that's what we do when we preach the gospel. But Encountering Life International is just that. We want to bring the life of God, which is discipling the whole man, is, is taking a man that, does, that knows nothing about Jesus, which is bringing them into a new birth experience, then teaching them how to become a child, then teaching them how to become a young man, and then into mothers and fathers and sonship and throneship, wow. bringing them all the way up into maturity in so Christ good. Jesus. And in the process of all of that, teaching them that Jesus did this so you too can become benevolent with your lives. Yes. Now, how do you become benevolent with your lives? It's not just preaching and teaching, mm. but it's in action. And yeah. so we, we, we teach people that, you know, there's, there's people out there that don't even know how to balance a checkbook. Yeah. They need to learn how to balance a checkbook, how to, how to govern their finances. There's people out there that have dreams and, and visions, uh, but they have no know-how no how to get there. So we teach them how to take God dreams and, and, and visions and turn them and translate them into a reality. And, and, uh, and so with all that being said, there's, there's so much into the discipleship process. We focus I, I, this, preaching the gospel is this small. Wow. It, it is, it, it's like the discipling the, the whole man. That's why yeah. Jesus said, disciple, teach them, disciple, yeah. Yeah. teach them yeah. everything I've commanded. So good. And so we focus on the discipleship aspect and discipling, uh, is, is so broad and so big. But like, but like I said earlier, you know, we began with preaching the gospel. We started teaching. Now we have centers now we have, uh, I mean, one of the, the senator's wives of Guatemala is our admin for our pro-life center. Wow. Uh, we believe in educating the people because, you know, where there's no education, you know, that there's that basically there's no prophetic vision. People sure. will perish. Yeah. And so we educate them in the spirit and we educate them also in the natural. I mean, what is it good? To, what, what good is it just to teach somebody about Jesus and they don't even know how to do math? So yeah. we teach them how to do math so they can even better themselves in the natural. And so, so good. Yeah. So there's it's discipling the whole man. Yeah. I love that. That is so powerful and so necessary. Um, just on that note, I was just thinking, you know, you mentioned about uh, culture and the difference. And I didn't go to change the culture. I went to introduce them to the culture of heaven. And I think that's so powerful. Can, can you elaborate a bit on that and, and just you know, maybe speak to us about how we can we can preach the gospel of of heaven's kingdom, heaven's you know yeah. culture, and not try to force and you know your own culture down someone's throat, but just introduce them to that real culture. 
what in your experience what what is yeah. what is the most effective way of doing that yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna bring something up um <clears throat> because i've never heard it said this way before it was articulated by a good friend of mine pastor donnell colbert who is in uh, 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 Antioch, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. And as you know, what's going on in America right now, there's a lot of rioting, looting, there's a lot of racism, a lot of injustices, a lot of things going on. But the other day, um, and this is leading into what you said, because he articulated something that I felt for years, but haven't been able to put my finger on it. And uh, well, anyways, he said, um, I had my all my kids come around the the TV. We FaceTimed him. Uh, he's Uncle D to my kids. He's my brother. Uh, and I said, Uncle D, I need you to to speak to. Um, he's a black man. I said, I need you to speak to your nieces and nephews and 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 really just uh, tell them what's going on in your heart because we don't know. We don't know what's going on. I have no idea. I'm a, I'm a I'm a white brother. You know. Yeah. Uh, and so he, he says, this is good that you've asked. And he almost started crying because, you know, because we would ask him that, be concerned about what's in his heart. And he said something interesting. He said, Scott, he says, uh, he, he said, my nieces and nephews, he says, this is, this is what it is. He says, you have the white and black, okay? Now, let's just, let's just talk about culture here, okay? Let's, let's move white and black out of the equation, but let's let's talk about the kingdom of heaven. Let's talk about the cultures of the world, the yeah. kingdom culture and the culture of the world. Yeah. <clears throat> what he said was, he says you have you have white people and black people, and he says the white people uh, have been given uh, uh, a privilege, and the privilege is a power. He says the black people are strength. He says being white does not make you privileged. He says, but having power does make you privileged. He says, being black does not mean anything, but we're, we, we have strength. And he says, and so he goes, what happens is when you misuse or you think that you're privileged because you have power and you misuse that power to suppress or to oppress strength and try sure. to control it. Wow. Instead of, instead of, now here's the kingdom part of this, Mark 10, 42 through 45. Jesus said this, he says, those of you who consider yourself rulers over the Gentiles, lord it over them, but not so with you. For whoever wants to become first must become last. Whoever wants to become greatest must become a slave to all. And then he said this, for not even the son of man came to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see power, Jesus had power. Yeah. And he understood that power was there to serve, to lift others up. And that's that's the part where where when we introduce, and I'd never heard my brother speak like that before, and that's why I love Donnell so much. Because mm. he just speaks to me and, and talks to me and he's teaching me about his culture and I teach him about our culture. Wow. And, and, and there's no divide there. But it when you take this and you apply it into the kingdom, we didn't go into Mexico and we didn't go into Guatemala saying that we're white coming with the answer. Yeah. We didn't come there to establish or just to start handing out goods because that's what happens a lot of times yeah. from American missionaries. We go and we hand out clothes and food and we think that that's it. 
No, we need to get our hands and feet and dig into the culture and lift others up by seeing the needs of the culture, right? Yeah. And then adding and then adding to them kingdom, the kingdom softens the heart in order for others to receive the things that we've already talked about. Wow. Even even mathematics, administration, teaching, all those kinds of things. Unless they trust us in the kingdom of God, if we go in with the kingdom of God in love, love unlocks the hearts of all those people out there that need to be helped. And and honestly, that's the spirit of God. Isaiah spoke about it, right? Yeah. He says, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the prisoner free, to go on and go on and proclaim this is the acceptable year of the favor of our God. And so love does that. And that's that's the difference. When we when we when we desire to go into a place, we see the needs. We see the needs of the area. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we just come in and start handing things away. No, we educate. We teach, we preach the gospel. And when they look at us and say, why are you doing these things? Because we had that happen many, many, many times where people will look right in my face. Why are you doing this? You don't need to do this. Da, da, da. I said, because I love you. Because yeah. I love you. Sure. I love you. Mm. And, I'm not, and I'm not being compassionate, reaching down from a privileged position. I just want to identify with Christ where he got to the feet of the people and he lifted them up. Yeah. That's what leadership does. Yeah. Wow. That is that is so good and so challenging for me. I think, you know, I, I'm going to be just vulnerable. I, I think I have this idealistic idea in my mind that I want people to, to, when they say they're Christians, to just get it immediately. Like, you know, okay, I'm... Heaven is my heritage now. I'm a, I'm part of, I'm, I'm a citizen of heaven, so I can't be held back by my culture. But it's, it's not that simple. It's a process. It's a, like yeah. it's been a process for me. You know, there's even stuff in my life that I realized, it, it, it may not have been mainstream culture, but it was a, it was culture in my life because it was habits or characteristics that I picked up along the way that, that wasn't really who God made me to be. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's about identifying those things. But, I mean, what you're talking about is, is so powerful and so needed all over the world, you know, in our own, in our own streets, communities, in our, in our, in yeah. our cities, in our, in our nation, is for that to happen. And I, and I think, yo, I'm just, I'm so encouraged to, to when, whenever I am, you know, doing ministry to, to keep that in mind, that, you know, we're not just, we can't just use words all the time. We actually have to get our hands dirty and, and, and get you know, get to know people, get to love them well. And I'm reminded of that scripture that I, I've read it so many times recently and just feel every time I read it, I just get so much more out of it. And it's, it's you referred to it now briefly when, when you said about Jesus serving. In, in John 13, verse 3, it says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given him all things. Yeah. And that he was from the Father and going to the Father, bent down and washed his disciples' feet. So, Come on. So his, his, his identity was so solid. And this was pre-crucifixion, you know? Yes. He, and he knew that he had been given all things. And so he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly where he comes from, where he's going. 
and he, and he knew the mission right in front of him and he, he served uh, just as you said so beautifully. He had all power, all authority and he chose to serve and love his yeah. disciples well so that they uh -huh. can go do the same thing. And that's what I'm hearing so powerfully from, from what you're saying and, and what you guys are doing. That is so good. And yeah, I'm, I wanted to, I'm, I'm glad you referred to it because I wanted to talk to you about, you know, what does it feel like to be an American right now? I know it's a vast country, many states, many cities, yeah. but it seems that there is a, 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 an attack internationally, uh, nationally on cities. And it's, it's, it's just, it must be quite hectic right now. <coughs> We're just coming out of this lockdown, this pandemic. Now it's this. It's, it seems to be the one wave after the other. And I, I would just love to ask you if you can share your perspective yeah. on, on these things. And we've got our own issues here in South Africa. Um, how do we navigate these interesting times with God at the lead? And, and how should we approach this? You know, <clears throat> I... I can tell you straight up, Heinz, that I've, I mean, I've never seen anything like this. My mom, she was in the race riots back in the days. Um, you know, America has, has had its issues, but America is a great country as well. And, um, and I love her. Uh, and I think the greatest days are ahead of us um, because you can't walk through you can't <clears throat> you can't continue to pretend that something is not happening uh, and and expect the greatest days to be ahead of you. You have to uncover these things, and it and it's just like the kingdom of heaven too. You know, in our own lives, you know, there's there's not a stone that won't be uh, 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 unturned, you know, and revealed or light hitting the darkness. And so, it's 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 what God is doing. He's he's shining light on injustices. Uh, injustices, sorry. And, um, but I think it's important to point out, you know, that the Lord had it right. And when you look at second Chronicles, he, he always has it right. But when you look at second, second Chronicles 714, there's a key word there that says, if my people mm. who are called by my name yeah. will humble themselves, yeah. themselves, mm. we can't point a finger we can't look at the left or right. This is a moment for everybody to humble themselves and pray. And, and this is where I believe we're going to begin to see the emergence of the healing of the land. And God's going to use his church, his people who are willing to humble themselves and pray. He's going to use them in healing the land uh, <clears throat> because God always uses us as his hands and feet. I mean, that's the promise. Who's the glory of God in the earth? It's the church. It's the ones who are his. Mm. And so and so there's a humbling of oneself in this hour that needs to take place. As far as as far as um, uh, what to do next, uh, the truth is, I don't think anybody knows what to do next. Um, uh, we can we can march. OK, I, I've I've done that. Uh, we can pray. I've done that. I think the next thing is to have the real conversations um, and, and not just conversations, because let, let, let's be honest about something. Um, it, for instance, when this whole thing took place and I, I'm just going to be. Can I be frank? Can please, I can I do that? Please be frank. Okay. I love it. 
This is this is my channel. You can do. Okay. <laughs> I give Thank you, you. I give you a carte blanche, bro. It, let's let's be frank about something. Um, when and I'm not saying all of it, all of them have done this, but um, something that's really bothered me, you know, was after the the uh, the George Floyd um, killing. Okay, the George Floyd killing. That's what took place. Um, there were peaceful people that were calling cities to 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 protest, but not protest violently, but to walk, you know, and they would they would shout no more, no more, you know, and they'd say, you know, justice, justice for all justice for us. And and, and I am 100 percent for that. I jumped out and was a part of a march here in our town that was led by a young man, a young athletic man that is known in our community. Uh, am I to say how saved is he? No, I'm not because I'm standing for justice, right? And, and he led this march and I was shocked. I was shocked that there was only one church leader there. And, wow. uh, uh, and it, it, it was me, but there was only one church leader there in a predominantly black community. Wow. So then so then you go a, a week after the fact and and then Heinz, this is me and you, bro. We're, we're white guys. OK, yeah. we go a week, week after the fact and in our white leaders, OK, are saying, hey, come out to our churches. Let's kneel for George Floyd. Let's. And I'm thinking. Why does it always have to begin with us? Why can't we just get behind and support a community? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And get behind and support that and pray for it. And that's where the real trust gets built within the community. And so <clears throat> I, had a, I had a friend um, say something, something to me one time before, and, 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 it, and it's the truth, you know. Um, he's a good friend of mine. He's up in Kenosha. He's, he's a black pastor. And he said to me, and, and my response was, was, was good, but it touches things in people's hearts. He said, Scott, he said, could you sit underneath a black pastor? Mm. Well, my response was, well, heck yeah, if he preaches good, you know, <laughs> I mean, if he's anointed, you know, that's the truth of it. But that's when you ask that question, to the world out there, could you sit underneath the black pastor? I mean, that kind of stirs some things up in your heart. You might not vocalize it, yeah. but it stirs some things up in your heart. And and so I'm just at that point where I'm saying, okay, if we're going to have any conversation about this whole injustice, if we're going to see this sociological change, this economical thing change, the, the equality rise up. If, if we're going to see that take place, we've got to stop look we've got to we've got to start looking outside of our little boxes or our little safe places. Yeah. And we have to get out there sure. and become missionaries. Become missionaries. That's so good. And support and love and get behind those who guess what? They might not have the answers that we have but if we can build trust with them, yeah. they will recognize, oh, wait, there's a power here that can help us. Sure. And that's, that's what I'm after. Yeah.
That's amazing. And, and once again, so, so challenging because I think one of the things that, that happens, I mean, you said people were invited to come and pray in the churches. That's, that's, it's like, you know, we'll pray, but we're, we feel safe and, you know, we don't want to go physically to where, <laughs> to where it's uncomfortable yeah. and inconvenient. And, you know, let's be honest, I, I may get hurt. Uh, and I think that's, a, that's something that I see in general is, is, a, is, a, is a fear of what's different, yeah. a fear of what might happen. And, yeah. and I'm just, you know, I'm challenged by that Paul that said, you know, we haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's and, right. Uh, That's and right. we need to know. And this is one of my biggest passions in life is, is, to, is to communicate as well as I can how important it is for people to be truly saved, truly born mm. again, truly yeah. become the sons and daughters <clears throat> of God that God had preordained for them to be. Because yeah. then, then we start operating in, in authority. Then we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And then, you know, then we can have that boldness to, yeah. to go into a place that, yes, our body and our soul is super uncomfortable. It's super inconvenient. But yeah. God said go. So I'm, yeah. I'm going. You know, it's that question of you, know, you say you love God, but, you know, let's be honest. If you don't do certain things, it's actually a sign of that you hate your brother. Fear is a form of hate. And if, if you don't go when God says go, then you're being disobedient. And there's also That's a true. lack of love in your heart. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now. I'm, this this is, is good, bro. This is, this is hectic stuff, but it's, it, that's the truth. And what did Jesus do? He loved so much that he died on a cross. Yeah. And, and he's, yeah. Our, he's our example. What? Whew, that's yeah. good, bro. What are we doing? Mm. What are we doing? So let's ask ourselves all that question. And what are we doing you know, to, yeah. to unlock the stuff that God has given us to unlock. I really, I just yeah. see this picture of each of us has been given a key yeah. through, through the, we've been given certain gifts, certain platforms, certain relationships, certain opportunities, and God is going, I've given you what you need to go and help, to go and change, to go and encourage, but you're just standing with the keys in your hand, or you've, you know, put them down on the table, but because I, I just see, when I look at the Bible, I see God working in partnership with people. And, yes. and, and the question is, what is He calling each and, of, each and every one of us to do in partnership with Him? And yeah. it's, 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 uh, I'm also going to be frank. I think, I think a lot of times, us as Christians, we just, we just go, I'll just be praying. I'll just be praying and praying and praying. And that's good. You know, there's power in prayer. Absolutely. But are you listening? as well because sometimes sometimes when i'm praying i hear god go okay good you've prayed now now i want you to get up and go and help that person or go and do that yeah. or go and do that and i go oh lord thank you jesus and you just keep praying or you go devil get behind me i don't want to <laughs> yeah. i don't know god will never tell me to do that you know you have all kinds of excuses and and you just and i think it's time for us to go you know obedience yeah obedience is the is the key and you know if i look through the scriptures jesus also says it straight up if you love me you'll do what i say yeah and it's not it's not a it's not a a, a burden that he places on us it's a truth he's speaking like yeah if you love me really love me then what will yeah. flow from that love 
is obedience to what I'm saying. And, yeah. and that's what I'm really hearing from you, bro, is, is stepping up to, to what God has called you to do in the fullness of that. And it's just, it's so encouraging. I really love that. Thank you so much. It, you know, real quick, Heinz, yeah. it, the, I, you know, we can, we can sit and we can rest in the Lord. And, and, and I do that. I do that in my personal time. But the majority of, of knowledge of who he is comes when we are face to face with people. Sure. Um, and, and Jesus said, when you want to learn mercy, you got to go. Go and learn mercy. Mm. Uh, he, he knew that sending us out there was going to put us in situations that would confront fears, that would confront our love, that would confront, you know, uh, even the way that we think, you know, it, it, he knew that. And so he, he purposely said, I want you to go. Why? Because so we could learn how to be like him. And, sure. and in doing that is, is caring for people. I remember Heidi Baker said something. She said she sees Jesus the most when she's staring into the face of an orphan child. Mm. And okay, well, you know, she probably would have never seen that unless she looked into the face of an orphan child. Wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And, and that's so I have, seen, I have seen God more and I sit back after after every time I preach, after every soul that's one, after every moment when, you know, whether it's one or 20, 40, 50,000 people, whoever it is, that I feel like they got something new. Mm. I sit back and I just weep and I say, God, thank you for the privilege mm. of letting me do this one more time. Wow. And that... It's the privilege of making him known. Do your works before men so that they may glorify your father in heaven. And so it's time now. It is time for the church to, to, to step out and to go and to do the works of the kingdom of heaven with, not, <clears throat> with no agendas, but learning how to love. I mean, when you when you look at that, can I share a quick testimony? Please. Okay. Um, I was I was before when I was in Bible school. There was a a guy on the streets of Pensacola, Florida. Um, he, his name was Jim. Um, I didn't know that until about three four months after meeting him. But every day I worked at a brickyard downtown. It was called W W R Taylor Brickyard. And on my lunch, I would always pack my my lunch, my sandwich, and I'd pack an extra sandwich. And I would go to the center of the plaza in the town, and there was this guy named Jim. Jim had the biggest, nastiest beard you ever seen. There was <laughs> it was it was uh, filled with skin. It stunk. He was a homeless man. His hair was. Wild. I mean, if John the Baptist had a homeless brother, it was Jim. <laughs> it was like, it was so, and That's he had good. like skin flaking off his face. Sure. He wore all of his clothes. He stunk of defecation. He just, he was, he didn't, he was not in his normal mind, okay? Mm. But every day before I would leave, I would come back, I'd work one more hour, and then I'd go off to school, uh, Bible school. Every day I'd go down there 
And I'd sit next to him. I didn't even know his name for the first few months. And I'd say, you want a sandwich? And he'd just put his hand up. And I'd give him a sandwich and I'd sit there and I'd eat and I'd just talk to him. I'd tell him about my life and, and uh, on and on and on. Well, about three and a half, four months later, I was getting ready to graduate. And, uh, and I went down there to the park and Jim was sitting there waiting for me. And uh, same thing, he looked the mess. People would walk by and they would cover their nose. They, he smelled so bad. And, uh, and I said, Jim, I need to talk to you about something. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard it the whole time that I've been minist- just being with you, is I've been telling you about how God, how good God is. And uh, I said, but I'm probably not going to be able to see you anymore because I'm graduating from Bible college today. And, um, and I want you to know that I've enjoyed our time together. And I hope that the Lord can break through to your heart one day. And, uh, and out of the blue, he looks at me and he says to me, he goes, my name's Jim. <laughs> and I said, what? You, you have a name? <laughs> and he goes, my name's Jim. And he says to me, he goes, can I have a hug? Sure. And he reached over. I said, yeah. Now, trust me when I said, when I say that I felt like, like I was going to get like a disease or something. I mean, he wow. smelled that bad. Sure. And, and I said, absolutely. And he stood up and he held me. Mm. And he goes, thank you. And I said, Jim, I said, man, is there any chance I could? He says, I I don't know. I don't know. And that's what he just kept saying. But then as I was walking away, he looks at me and he goes, Scott, I said, yeah. Do you think it's possible? I said, what? He goes, every year at Christmas, I take the train to Chicago and I stand outside of my son's apartment do you think it's possible he would want to see me? Yeah. And I feel like there's so many people out there that are like Jim in their heart. That that maybe they've they've ran away from something or they feel like that 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 their fam that God doesn't want them back mm. because they've made a mistake and mm. but but the truth of the matter is, it's, it's, he's, he's leading us. He's drawing us to that door. He, he's drawn us to that place in our, in our lives. And, and it's that place of repentance, that place of, of just saying, you know what? He wants to, he wants to, you just to say, come, mm. come. The invitation's there. And I, and I had such a picture of God in that moment, being in that, that place and Jim's coming there, but because of his nakedness, because of his shame, because because shame gives birth to fear and fear gives birth to control, it kept him from approaching the person that he actually wanted the most was his son. Yeah, sure. And I and I say that I say that because that's how I feel right now. That if if we're not careful, even in America. This, this shameful thing that has happened will give birth to a fear. Mm. And the fear will give birth to controlling. Mm. And controlling our friendships, controlling the, out, controlling, controlling the outcome of our lives instead of letting God be God. And God wants us to live out loud. Yeah. 
Yeah. He doesn't want us to live in a quarantine spiritual state. He wants Amen. us to live out loud. Amen. And so that's that's what I wanted to say is is I feel like there's some people out there even today, Heinz, that that don't know how to make the change, but understanding that God wants to unlock their heart and break on in. Yeah. Amen. Well, bro, why don't you keep going and uh, and and share share the the gospel message to those listening, and and to the point of uh, I so want people to know that you know. Saying yes to Jesus is not just a ticket to heaven. Yeah, it's, 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 it's saying yes to, to, bringing, to being part of bringing heaven to earth. And, yeah. and, and so much more. There's sonship. There's being a, a daughter of the Most High God and, and what that comes with. And, and, and we, so just because you've been sharing that story, just please keep mm. going and, and make yeah. an invitation to anyone here today. Even if they've been saved, but... They feel stuck. That let's let's pull yeah. them through, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You know, I mean, if you if you haven't understood the the thread of this broadcast, it is just that is that God is good and He wants to pull. He He wants to bring all people into His family, and that's the thing. Jeremiah talks about that. You know, there's there's the the they're they're they're. They're walking in, 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 in Jeremiah is he's calling out to God and God speaks back to Jeremiah. He says, look, at, I've done all these great things. I've I've led them in the desert. I was a pillar of fire. I've been a father. I wish that they would just repent and mm-hmm. come to me. Yeah, I wish that they would just call me father. You see, the truth of the matter is, is that is that every single person in the world, every single person is longing for something other than themselves. They're longing for a spiritual awakening. The Bible says that Jesus is the desire of the nations. That there's and there's even been a seed of faith inside of every single person alive. Mm. I can I can walk anywhere in the world today and have a little conversation with somebody and pointed out that God has been reaching out to them and they and they, and they start to think, "Oh my goodness." That's the truth. You see, because the truth is, is the Bible says that when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was released inside of him to go out and to bring the world to conviction, to bring the world into into conviction. And that conviction was this, is that all men are sinners. All men are sinners. And without a savior, we will die. Yeah. And who is that savior? The Bible says that Jesus is the savior of the world. If you're gonna if you're gonna come to him, you have to believe he exists. If you're gonna come to him, you have to understand that he's the way, the truth, and the life. You see, you might be making a way for yourself, even you might even be fine financially stable out there, but the Bible says there's a way that seems right to the man and in the end leads to death. Yeah. You, you, you can be building your own kingdom that one day it could fall and it will fall unless he is the foundation of that kingdom. I tried it. I tried it differently. I had a business. Even in the world, I had a business and that business, it failed. It, it, it pumped up. It went very strong, but it failed because I started thinking I could do it on my own. The truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is everything. He is the God of the mountains. He's the God of the valleys. 
He's the God of in between. The Bible says that in him, through him, and to him, all, all things, things exist. So good. All things exist. So you, you, can, you can try to live your life outside of him, but understanding this is right now is the moment of grace where he's calling men to come into him. And when you come into him, that's where the blessed life begins. That's the blessed life. Mm. Let me speak to this. I touched on something just a moment ago of shame. Shame is associated with sin. When someone sins, they feel that shame. You see that, it, that even in Genesis, the, the Bible talks about the, the very enemy, the devil who coached Adam and Eve into sin. Guess what happened? He left them. He, he backed off because he knew that once they sinned, shame would come upon them. Mm. Well, that shame gave birth to a fear, a fear of being found out. Yeah. Being found out of what their sin actually was, a fear of their nakedness. And because they were fearful of being found out, they tried to control their own lives. They tried to control what was happening next. When the truth of the matter is, you and I were never created to control anything. You and I were never created to be fearful. You and I were never created to hold shame. Mm. Ever. Shame is a tool of the enemy. And if you have sinned in your heart, if you've done things where you say, I can't be forgiven, trust me, my friends, there's not a, a corner of the earth that Christ has not lit up with his goodness. Mm. As a matter of fact, out there today, you say, well, well, I struggle with homosexuality. Listen to me, friends, you might struggle with homosexuality, but guess what? The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way. It doesn't say that he fell. It says that he was tempted in every way. And because he overcame that temptation, he was able to take power over that sin on the cross. Mm. And so if you're struggling with homosexuality, maybe you're struggling with other sins. Maybe you're struggling in your, you're, you're a thief, you're a cheat, you're a liar, you're an adulterer, whatever it is. Jesus took that upon himself on the cross, and he's wanting to remove that shame from your life today. So you're no longer fearful, and you no longer have to control your life, but he can step in and be the Lord of your life mm. because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Mm. And he wants to bring you into his family where Father God, Father God can begin teaching you, molding you, and showing you his goodness. If you're out there today, and you say, you know what? I can identify with Scott's story. I can identify with Heinz. I can identify with, with being in, in a shameful place. I can identify because I'm fearful. Maybe I've made a mistake. Maybe you're out there right now, and I'm just speaking this because I feel like there is somebody that's listening. Maybe you've committed adultery. Maybe you've been that person that's committed adultery and you visited some places that you shouldn't, and, and you're afraid of being found out, listen to me, friends, right now. God wants to uncover that, not to shame you, but to bring you healing, yeah. to bring you hope, to bring you renewal. Mm. And that's what he wants to do today. So I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to pray for you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you will speak spark something new inside of the hearts of the people today. 
Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that hearts and eyes and minds and the ears and the spirit within them would become quickened, Lord God, to what is truth. Lord, I pray today that man would feel, Lord God, that they, you are safe. You are a safe God. You are a God that covers them. You're a God that strengthens them. You're a God that provides for them. You're a God that heals them. You're the God of peace. Mm -hmm. You are the God of everything, Lord God. You're the morning star. You are everything. You are. You're the one who created them to serve you. So, Father, I pray that right now, whoever is listening, wherever they are, whatever they've gone through, wherever they know they're supposed to be, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they would give their hearts to you by just a simple confession. Yes. Jesus, come into my heart. Yeah. Be my Lord and Savior Thank you, Lord. and my very best friend. Mm. I exchange my sin for your life. Thank you for the cross, and thank you that my name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, I bless your people today, and I pray, Lord God, that they would reach out. And I want to encourage you right now, if you just prayed that prayer and you just said, you know what, I'm going to pray along with Evangelist Scott. I'm going to pray along with Heinz today. I, I, I want you to reach out to Love Key Ministries. I want you to reach out and just just, just reach out through the internet, reach out through through Facebook, through uh, whatever channels are there and just reach out to him. And I know that Heinz will get back to you because he's a lover of all men in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you, brother. That's so, so good. So powerful. Thank you so much. And uh, for, for those listening and watching, I, I think you can, you can see very clearly that um, Scott and his family and their ministry is, is really changing lives all over the world and I want to encourage you to to visit their website um, it's in the in the description here today click on that link go and check out what they do and uh, and go support them uh, if God leads you to do that maybe God spoke to you today and said hey you can be part of a team um, I don't know what it is but the important thing is to, to listen and to be obedient and let God lead you so if it's to support them financially support them in prayer uh, to be part of a team Please, please go and do that. They're doing amazing work. And uh, I personally can't wait to visit you guys in Zion, Illinois. Man, it's going to be great. Uh, sure. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed and encouraged by this. And uh, I know everyone listening is as well. Um, Scott, I would love to pray for you and your family and, and for your nation uh, in this thing that's going on there right now. And, uh, mm -hmm. and then we're going to end off this amazing session today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Scott, his wife, Melody, their precious children, the ministry that they have, the mission that they have on their heart for their hometown. Lord, your word says that where two or more agree in a matter, it will be so. And today we stand in agreement with Scott mm -hmm. and Melody and their family and their ministry for the, the, the dream, the, the calling that you've placed on their hearts and minds and that they are pursuing that we stand in agreement that it will be so, that Zion will be a city that steps into the fullness of what you have for them, and that their, their ministry, love, um, love uh, encounter life, sorry, encounter life international, that it will be blessed in all its endeavors, in all its missions. I pray for every person that is, that is, that is um, witnessing on their behalf, that is 
helping people, educating people, teaching yes. people. We bless each and every one of them, in Lord. Jesus name. We thank you that you provide above and beyond what they they can ever ask or think or imagine. And that this this ministry will be blessed and reach even more nations and more cities. Yes, I thank you, Lord, yes. for the for the strategies that you've given Scott. I thank you for even more and that it'll go from glory to glory. And that these strategies of of not just preaching the gospel, but living it and, and teaching and discipling people will go even further. And I pray, Lord, I just see... Uh, doors of other ministries opening up yes, to, to the strategy and and to, to that the pettiness of of not it being theirs or whatever may be stopping them from embracing yeah. something that really works and has lasting effect that those pettiness th things will fall away fall away yes, and that, that that they'll be able to take hands with with missions around the world and and be more effective in each nation that they are present in lord we as your children want to live the way you want us to live in unity, yes, God. affecting the work of God around the world in unity. Jesus, you prayed it in John 17 and, and you said that there's a link between how united we are and how mm -hmm. much the world will know that you were sent by the Father. Mm -hmm. Lord, we don't want to stand in the way of mm -hmm. that happening. Help us to be united. We pray for the for the humility of leaders and churches around the world and mm -hmm. for ministries to, to join hands and to be effective in your kingdom. Lord, I thank yeah. you for this word spoken today. I thank you for these conversations. I seal it off in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that it will carry great fruit in the lives of everyone who listened today. I thank mm. you for that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you, brother. Bless thank you, you, Heinz. Thank you for your time and uh, just the... The love that you bring, I really appreciate it so much. Thank you, my man. <laughs> Say hello to the family. Thanks to all those who are listening. Thank you. God thank bless you, you brother. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Guys, thank you so much for, uh, for being here today with us and joining in on Love Unlocks. Uh, we really appreciate your comments. And if you did make a decision for Christ today, please let us know. We'd love to follow up with you and stay in touch. And uh, just once again, want to mention, go and click on Scott's link and in his email and stay in touch with him as well. And, uh, and thank you so much again for joining us. Tomorrow, I'll be speaking to Mr. Graham Power. He is the founder of Power Construction and also of Unashamedly Ethical. And he, was a key, he played a key role in the Global Day of Prayer back in 2001. He's an amazing man of God, a businessman, and, uh, and changing the world in his own way as well. So come and listen tomorrow at 1 uh, on these same platforms as we speak to Mr. Graham Power. God bless you. Please keep sharing this. Please keep telling people about it. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.